Hi, this is Stephanie Johnson, home birth midwife at Sister Soul Midwifery. You can reach me at www.sistersoulmidwifery or at Sister Soul Midwifery on IG or Sister Soul Midwifery on Facebook. Or you can reach me at 617-833-9396. And now you're listening to Rebuke. This is Marcus, and you're now listening to Rebuke the Realest Man in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, today marks my 25th show, and next week, I believe next week, will be my one-year anniversary having this podcast. So uh, it's, it's great to see me, see myself grow from September 2019 to September 2020. We've had a, buff, a rough road with the pandemic and Donald Duck in office, but um, we're going to get through it. Um, 25 is, is achievement, and I'm looking to do 25 more. So I hope this show will be a, a blessing to you all and y'all gain some some knowledge and education because I believe it'll be a blessing to, to – to, it's going to be a blessing to me. Um, let's go ahead and get right into it. Charles Johnson – the son of Judge Glenda, Glenda Hatchett, widely known as Judge Hatchett, is suing Cedars Sinai Hospital after his wife, Kira, died during a C-section three years ago. Now, when I when I heard this, it it kind of touched my heart to see that brother cry and break down for his woman. I don't, I don't I don't want I do not wish that on anybody any man or woman to lose their partner but as I start digging deep and seeing articles and stuff like that uh it's alarming how black women are actually dying doing giving birth to a child something that's supposed to be a precious and monumental situation in someone's life someone's actually dying so uh, I tried my best I've been it's been over months I tried my best to get uh, get attached to an OBGYN they ignore my phone calls uh, I tried to talk to a midwife in Texas she as soon as I call she hangs up <laughs> so I tried my best to get this show and I almost gave up but I ran across a a a post on Facebook and I saw this love midwife and I said no man let me call this this woman see if she actually listens to me and she actually picked up talked to me and is willing to talk to you all to the black community about this serious topic so 
Today's topic is called The Baby Cries, The Mother Dies. And I would like to thank Stephanie Johnson for answering the call when nobody else didn't want to answer the call to do this wonderful show. Thank you, uh, Ms. Johnson, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's get into it. Um, we'll, we'll get into your job and, and stuff like that. Then we'll get into the meat to the lesson. Now, what is the difference between a doula and a midwife? Mm-hmm. And what made you get got into this industry? So uh, the difference is uh, with a doula is considered a support person for childbirth. Um, right now, there's all different sorts of doulas. So the traditional uh, doula is a support person for a woman who is giving birth. So that looks like providing comfort measures, providing childbirth education, um, breastfeeding support. Uh, When this woman um, hires her, she works with her prenatally and gives her some information about what to expect during the prenatal period, also what her body's going through. And it's really kind of a surface level most times, depends also on the training. Um, So there are a variety of different training models for doulas um, out there. And so you can have very basic uh, trainings out there and there are very extensive trainings as well. Um, And then after they get through that prenatal period, they also, during that time as well, kind of coach that woman on comfort measures during the labor process. And so that looks like um, helping them cope during the labor process with massage techniques, making sure they're eating and drinking, making sure that um, if they have partners or family that they're either included or, um, you know, answering their questions, things like that. Um, Right now, because of COVID, um, a lot of places are not allowing doulas or their scope is being limited. Um, So um, in the beginning of COVID, they like basically shut out all doulas. And so you were hearing a lot of places, a lot of doulas kind of pushing back, like, you know, particularly for us and in our communities where if you know you're a single parent a single mom and you're like well wait a minute like I don't have anyone so now you have these women going into hospitals where we already know it's a volatile environment as it is and now they're by themselves and so doulas brought that advocacy and that support in that hospital environment where um in in a pandemic which we in that moment in early March April we didn't really know kind of the scope of what was going to happen um, but now we do but in that time it, it was a fearful moment right because mm-hmm. we didn't know what to expect and so fast forward now that for the most part has changed there are a lot of places are now allowing doulas um, because they do see the benefit of it and also a lot of the doulas and organizations pushed back and said that you know we are um, beneficial and we do need to be in the room and, and being support persons in the room and in that space um, so in the labor process they are basically doing that same thing where they're supporting making sure that uh, moms are, are you know hear, their voices are being uh, heard Uh, via doctors, nurses, or whoever is in the room. And then uh, after they have the baby, again, every doula is different, but usually after they have the baby, they are working with the mom with breastfeeding, um, doing some light housework, things like that, um, in those first couple of weeks after they have the baby. 
And the difference between that and what a midwife does is the midwife is doing medical care. And so um, for an OB um, who is a hospital provider, they are doing all medicalized care. So they are trained to, actually an OB is a trained uh, surgeon um, and they are, their specialty is surgery. Um, so that's the difference between an OB and a midwife. Midwife is a person who is trained in traditional uh, midwifery practices. Um, and so a CNM is um, a nurse first, and then they are go they go in for a master's in uh, midwifery. And so it's a two-year additional program when they get their master's in midwifery. But they also are working in in a hospital environment providing medical care. My job um, or my profession um, is outside of that. So I'm a home birth midwife and I did not do the traditional route of going into nursing. I decided to do kind of up the system, so to speak, and um, because I actually did start off as um, wanting to be a nurse um, because I didn't know at the time that there were other routes to become a midwife. And so I was told that this is the way to do it. And once I got into nursing school and I did a couple of years in, into nursing, I was like, yeah, this is this is not really kind of gelling with my spirit and where I want to do and, and how I wanted to care for people. Um, and so I ended up leaving the, the nursing program, much to my parents' dismay, but to uh, <laughs> <laughs> semester shy of graduating, I, I ended up changing majors and getting something. I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, getting a different degree. Um, but I'm, I'm happy I did in the long run. But. Um, the difference between a home birth midwife and a nurse midwife is that we do all the care at home. Um, and so we provide the same medical care as a uh, nurse midwife with the exception um, that we do not do surgery. We do not provide pain relief in, this, in the sense of like epidurals and things like that. Everything is um, um, uh, natural based. So herbal relief, um, comfort measures in, in the sense of position changes, water birth is high on that on that list. Um, we do a lot of traditional based things. So plant-based medication, uh, medication, medicine, uh, plant-based uh, diets. Um, so most of my clients are um, vegans, vegetarians, or some version of that. Everyone who is having their babies at home are typically healthy, normal pregnancies, uh, babies. Um, we cannot see high complicated pregnancies at home because we don't have the equipment to monitor and manage high risk pregnancies. Um, and so with that in mind, um, people who come see me are people who are really determined to, you know, take care of their health and take care of their diet and take care of themselves in general. Um, and so I follow them throughout their prenatal process um, and we make a plan for their birth vision and they have their babies safely, comfortably at home um, without medication and without that sort of vision that they see on TV of screaming, hollering, kind of craziness that most uh, people see when, when they think like of- the movie Roots and something. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, some people are vocal, I will say that. But for the most part, it is very peaceful, very calming. Um, and 
you're in your own space. Um, and so it's familiar, it's comfortable, and um, you know, you get to, you you are empowered by that. Um, you, you own that space. Um, and we're just there to kind of help you facil facilitate that vision, whatever that vision may be. Um, and so that's, I think I kind of wrapped all that all into one package, but yeah, that's kind of the, the difference between yeah, the yeah, you did, you did, you did. Um, you said something very interesting. I was like, wow. So it seems like only people that, well, I wouldn't say only. Mm -hmm. It seems like the people that are health, very health conscious, uh, conscious, consider doing what you what you prescribe, natural birth or, you know, whatever, uh, at home. Mm -hmm. And if you're high risk and you eating Popeye's chicken and all that other stuff, you it's probably not this probably is not going to you is probably not the route that's what you're saying um not necessarily um the reason why i think people who are more health conscious come to me is because they are already on that trajectory they're doing more research they're looking for different ways of being health conscious right so they're looking for the new you know whatever it may be um however i will say that because there has been a lot of attention, particularly when you started off with the story about Kira, um, there's been a lot more of attention brought to Black maternal health. And so more of our community is now doing more research, whereas before this wasn't uh, a thing for us, um, unfortunately. And so because it's been highlighted more, we are doing research. We are now seeking different options um, and because of that, we are seeing that we can, in fact, have a home birth. Um, it, or if we don't know that we could, we are at least exploring it. And so even the, the client who is eating Popeye's chicken every day, they come into my practice and we have a conversation. First of all, why are you eating Popeye's chicken every day? Because a lot of times it's not because they necessarily want to eat Popeye's chicken every day, but could it be that they can't afford food? In, you know, healthy choices? Could it be that they live in a food desert? Could it be that, you know, they don't have access to healthy food? So let's have that conversation, right? So, you know, how can I help you get access to healthy food? You know, um, getting you connected with, um, you know, the farm stand, the local farm stand in the community, you know, reaching out to different uh, organizations to get you those fresh foods, helping you with your diet, you know, let's write out what your diet looks like on a daily basis. So you can make those changes, you just have to want it to want to do it. Um, and even, I mean, not everyone is actually eating healthy all the time. So I'm not someone who's like a really hard stickler on, you have to be eating fruits and berries every day. Um, I say pretty much as long as you're doing, you, your diet is, you're eating things in moderation, you're okay. Um, and so if you're eating Popeyes every day, we need to make some changes because then it increases your risk of hypertension and diabetes and other complications. You, you would not be able to have a home birth. So if home birth is your ultimate goal, 
you can't have a baby and have super high blood pressure because I don't have the the medications and the OR down the hall to, you know, ring a, a, a button and have an OR team running down the hall should a complication arise. So when I explain it in that way, they're like, oh, okay. And the, I mean, the reality is most women when they are pregnant tend to take better care of themselves because they know they're creating a, another human. And so um, they are more likely to make changes during that period. And so usually the conversation when they have a good provider is, okay, I'm, I'm willing to make some changes. I don't have to eat, you know, that type of food every day. You know, maybe I'll eat it once a week. What else can I do to, you know, make healthy choices? And that's usually how the conversation goes. Okay, cool. Let's get, let's get to the meat of the matter now. Get to it. Now, Black black women in America are three times more likely than white women to die from pre- pregnancy related causes. According to the most recent CDC data, white women in America experience just under 13 deaths per every 100,000 live births. For black women, it's more like 44 deaths per 100,000. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, it's an outlier, outlier among other wealthy countries and in their maternal mortality rates and continue to trend upward at the same time that every other developed nation in the world has managed to lower theirs. My question is why are black women dying three times higher than the higher than their white counterparts during childbirth? Is it a racism B DNA C income poverty D access to knowledge and information or E all the above (laughs) all the above. Um, yeah, I mean, the reality is, yes, all of, all of the above. Um, racism, and you want to tackle all of them from... No, no, you, you can sprinkle a little bit, because I got, I got, I got, I want you to need to tackle all these other questions. Okay. Yeah, uh, but, but can, can you, um, so what, I mean, what do you, what's the most common one you face when, when you're dealing with your clients? out of all these four so I will say the thing that brings clients to me is like most likely racism um, they are not being listened to by their providers there so it's racism um, they've had bad experiences with either previous pregnancies or current pregnancy again like um, they're not being listened to by their providers um, most likely white providers um, sometimes black providers too um, and so racism is definitely high on, on that list um, DNA yeah there's you know definitely some DNA stuff there I, I, I think I will skip that one what was the other two well income and access and access, access to knowledge and information and income and poverty so income and poverty. So there's definitely tons of research that states that even if you have the highest income, um, you are still affected by these numbers. So you can be the highest educated, have the you know million dollar house, million dollar salary, and still be affected by these numbers and still have your baby die and still have complications in pregnancy. Um, it does not matter about your income. Poverty, same thing. You do not have access to, you know, good quality food. We just talked about that with, you know, the uh, client who may be eating Popeyes every day. If they do not have uh, access to good quality food, 
that's all they're going to be able to eat is Popeyes every day, which then increases the risk for hypertension and diabetes and a myriad of other um, um, health related uh, complications. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a bit of all of that. As far as DNA, yep, there is that that is in there, too. You know, I talk about the um, uh DNA in the sense of the trauma that we, you know, have embedded into uh, our DNA from way back when we were enslaved. That has, you know, basically carried over generation over generation. Um, we are dealing with that currently, you know, in our current society and what's going on. We are dealing, seeing it literally every single day. Um, the violence on social media and we have this knucklehead president um, and who's not doing anything. Thing. So we're literally being traumatized day after day after day. Stress, it's all all interrelated in one way or another. Um, and all of these things, whether one thing, all of them are all contributing to our outcomes. So yes, that's a short answer, but yes. Mm, yep, short, sweet, and powerful. Yeah. Now, a lot of women... Like to not no. Let me rephrase that. Mm -hmm. Some women like to see themselves as independent. I don't need anyone. But even I, when I think of black women, I think of kind of a Wonder Woman, strong, full of tenacity and leadership. Do you think this perception of black women as being strong or independent helps the helps makes the mortality rate for black women high? Because that's what doctors think. They all yeah, she's just you know, black women, they're strong, you know, they can take the pain or I don't want to listen to her. She aight. Um, no, I um uh, let me rephrase that. I think the perception from doctors is that it's a historical thing. It's that they believe we are strong in the sense that they don't view us as human beings. They view us that we don't deserve uh, respect. They don't view us as um, uh, deserving of proper care. Mm. They view us as deserving of proper medical attention so when we come in and we say that we're in pain that's dismissed um, when we say that we are um, ill you know it's downplayed um, and usually because of that by the time things are at its worst right so you know there's a trajectory for a lot of things. So for instance, with, with what happened with Kara, you know, she complained that she ha was having symptoms. She wasn't feeling right. And that nurse did not listen to her. And so instead of that nurse coming in and actually checking and listening to her husband when he was like, hmm, something's not right, something's off. He may, he or she may have known what was going on and maybe they didn't know, we don't know. But the thing is, they brought it to some, brought it to what we think, right, is the person who should know better to their attention. And yet they dismissed it. Because why? They didn't see her as someone who was deserving of respect to say, let me investigate this a little bit further. And so by dismissing it, it just that 
problem festered and got more, um, became a bigger complication and even bigger complication to the point that she had to, it became an emergency. And by that point, it was too late. And so mm-hmm. that is what we're seeing for when we talk about maternal health, we're seeing that happen over and over again, that people are women in, are, are being ignored, where, where our, our complaints are being dismissed. And so by the time things are being recognized, it's usually too late. And a lot of times women are not dying, there are, there are the other part is morbidity. So you're, you're not dying, but you have you have a severe um, complication. So mm-hmm. you could, you know, become paralyzed. You could become, you know, paralyzed. I mean, it depends on what the complication is, but I'm using that as an example. Okay. But the complication can mean that, like, you know, you are no longer able to do certain things because now you're in the hospital for weeks at a time. So you can't care for your, your newborn. You know, your your baby is with your husband or your partner and you can't breastfeed because you're in ICU because this person, you're, now you're in a coma, for instance, or you're paralyzed or you've lost a lot of blood. These are all called morbidities. Um, so you don't die necessarily, but the complication is so severe that you don't just get up and walk away. You know, you have to now recover from a different complication um, that's more severe than the original complication. Wow. Well, you 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 ran right into the the next question. You know, black women are twice as likely to suffer suffer from severe complications during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Do you have an example of a situation where one of your clients was treated harshly or differently, all because she was black? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can give you stories for days. <laughs> Just give me one. Um, I'll tell you about one that actually just happened a few weeks ago. Um, So one of the things that happens at home is um, because we don't have the uh, ability to what I always say, press a button and an OR or nurse team come running down should a complication arise, we have to be more diligent to be paying attention when a complication arises. So, you know, we're monitoring and and, uh, making sure that everything stays within the normal limits. So this particular mom is a second time mom, um, which most second um, time moms and um, pre- um, sorry labors that happen tend to be faster. So this mom, uh, she was laboring, everything was going well, but the heart rate, baby's heart rate was faster than what we considered normal. It's called tachycardia. And it happened, you know, we did, we have a, a portable non-stress test and a non-stress test is a, a test that checks the fetal heart tones um, to see if the baby is within normal limits. And we're looking for variability and we're looking for accelerations. And this um, a baseline, what we call a baseline was tachycardia, ta- tachycardic. And um, it went back down to baseline. So we're like, okay, we'll stay home. Long story short, mom had been laboring for a while, but there was no progress. And this um, normal baseline continued until about 10 hours later, it came back. 
and she wasn't pushing at that point. And we're like, yeah, at this point, you really should have made a lot of lot more progress. Um, and she hadn't. And now this tachycardia had presented itself again. And we're like, yeah, we need to send you in. So I called um, the local hospital, gave report, which is what we do. We call in, we let them know that she's coming in. Um, the doctor on the other line was super nice, which doesn't always happen, but for the, whatever reason, it, it happened this time. Um, we sent the mom in and um, again, <laughs> COVID. So they wouldn't let her partner in. So that was the first problem. Um, so they, they admitted her because um, the partner had to be tested for COVID. And, but they did admit, admit her. So when we sent her in, she was roughly about seven or eight centimeters when we sent her in. She gets in and they say, oh, yeah, no, you're only about um, a fingertip to one centimeter. We're like, yeah, no, that's, that doesn't sound right. Um, so they left her in a room. They let her sit in the room by herself, contracting. They were going to give her an IV, which is what we thought they would do. We thought they were going to give send her in. They give her an IV. She would her labor would pick up again. She would have a baby a few hours later. Um, but what their suggestion was, they would give her an IV and send her home. We're like, wait a minute. We're on our way home. That's not going to be a good good idea because we're our way. Again, long story short, they gave her the IV. Labor picked up like we thought. Her water broke, and the first thing the nurse said was, oh, so now I have to go take a shower. How dare you, How? why would you let your water break on my shoe? And we're like, what? So, white nurse. So, and the mom's like, but I've been contracting for hours and trying to contact you and you wouldn't answer my calls. So now the mom is pushing and the nurse is like, no, you're not in labor. She's like, yeah, I've actually been calling you because I've been wanting to push for over 45 minutes and you haven't answered my call. Now she's ready to have this baby and no one's listening to her. So finally, when her water broke, the nurse was like, oh, I guess you are in labor. So she's like dragging her to the bed and the mom's trying to record because she was like freaking out. She's by herself and the nurse is yelling at her, like put the phone down, et cetera. The team of people come in the room. Everyone's yelling at her. Everyone's telling her to wow. sit. No one gets her partner. So her partner misses the birth. They don't hold. They um, don't allow her to like get in a comfortable position. They don't Just help say. her legs up or anything. She's screaming in pain nothing and she's just like all i want is my husband can you please just get my husband they tell her no they i'm sorry they yell at her no um and the sad part is she had a black ob who let all this happen um and, yeah and so my question is like so what the ob didn't and she was like no the ob basically did not do a thing um and so she has the baby couple of hours later the husband finally gets to come up and here she is in postpartum traumatized for the weeks days after she literally can't sleep having basically PTSD crying every night you know can't basically settle in because she's had a traumatic experience having her baby um, and then I feel guilty because I'm like well I should have kept her home. And, you know, what if we just stayed another half an hour? Maybe she would have had this baby. What if I did get that IV? But, you know, it was like, I didn't know, you know, and my thing is like, 
if I kept her home and this baby went from tacky to an emergency, mm-hmm. it would have been a different situation. But this is what I deal with. It's like you're teetering on this imbalance of do we stay or do we go? And so, you know, she's she's about a month or so out now and she's doing better. We got her some some support with um, uh, some um therapist and um you know we surrounded her with some good support and things like that and of course i i see her at home for postpartum so she's doing a little bit better but this is forever going to be embedded into her um as her birth experience um and you know this is this she's just one story you know there's hundreds if not millions of different stories similar if not worse um, and it's unfortunate because that nurse and these doctors did not see her as a human being first. Mm. This, man, that's, yo, Stephanie, that's an awful story, man. And I hope and pray that she gets through her situation, wherever your client is and wherever she's located. I hope her, her and her husband find strength to get through that and, and hopefully she through the years she'll she'll get over that that experience traumatizing experience slowly but surely um when i came up with this title and i did more research i thought i should have changed the title because the next thing is uh after doing research and the doctors say they found that black babies die at a higher rate when they're cared for by a white doctor as compared to the natural average for all newborn deaths. Mm-hmm. The rate of 430 per 100,000. Now, when... So, I'm going to skip all that this jargon and just get straight to it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only black women are dying at a higher clip versus white women, but the black babies as well um, with white doctors. Do you see that bl- the black baby deaths as a direct connection or correlation with mothers dying during child labor in the United States? And secondly, can all this be avoided if we had more black doctors? Um, so the correlation with the babies is yes or no. It's a little bit different with babies. Um, Please explain. Yeah, so the babies are, um, the reason why the babies are dying, they tend to be preterm. So that means they're they're being born early. Um, So, but then you you bring that back to moms because if the moms are having the babies early, why are the moms having babies early? Yeah. Tends to be likely because they may have been stressed out. They have poor prenatal care. They may have poor diets. Um, They may have complications, whether it's hypertension, diabetes, and the list goes on, but those tend to be some cardiac or hypertension um, type of disorder. Um, And then also, you know, it could be uh, stress-related. So if, you know, they're dealing with a lot of um, things at home, you know, insecurities with housing, food, um, domestic violence, things like that. All of those things play a role into why women are having their babies sooner. Um, so that's more uh, of a reason why babies are being born early. Um, and then they're being cared for by these providers who are white, um, you know, because they make up the majority of the professional force. Um, they are, you know, 
they take over. <laughs> you know, they're, they're the ones in the NICUs and, and they're the ones in the specialties, and et cetera. So, and similar to, you know, what's happening in the OBs, in, I mean, in the, um, with the OBs, you know, they're, I would, I have, I didn't read the article, so I can't t- say a whole lot about it, but what I would surmise is that, you know, um, there's some bias and judgment that is just ingrained in these providers that you know these these babies are not as important as the white babies there's some some inherent biases that are ingrained in these people um you know whether it's these moms are you know not worthy they you know why are they having i hear it all the time like why is this mother having the fourth fifth child and she couldn't take care of the other three that she has at home why is you know Mm. Why is she doing this or that when she can't do this or that, you know? And it's like, well, why is that your business? You know, so what? I don't care. You know, she has every right to have every child she wants to have. That's not your choice or decision to make, you know? So those little biases come into play when you're caring for people. Um, And so whether it's conscious or unconscious, I think it plays a role in the type of care that these providers provide. Wow. Wow. Oh, I want, I want I want to touch on the 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 uh um the baby deaths a little bit more. You said it's more of a correlation with the babies dying at a higher clip than white babies because mm-hmm. they were born premature. Mm-hmm. Right, the, right. And so, so why is you said you listed it, but but why are black babies growing more premature than the white babies though? You get what I'm saying? Well, because they're they're premature because black women have higher risk of complications. Mm. So we are dealing with, you know, complications, like I said, such as hypertension. So we have higher rates of preeclampsia, which is a hypertensive disorder. We have higher rates of gestational diabetes, which is a um, disorder that can lead to other complications. We have higher risk of um, other cardiac disorders. Um, and so it basically, we are not able to hold on to our pregnancies. So because the first line is we need to save the mom. And in order to do that, sometimes that triggers the baby, uh, the pregnancy rather to go into either the the pregnancy to, I'm sorry, yeah, the pregnancy to go into labor, which means if you're not term, you're going to have this baby early. Um, and then also you have C-section. So then you have that whole whole list of... <laughs> C-section <laughs> so, makes me... Every time I hear that word C-section, I get chills on my body. But go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, it, there's a whole list of, of reasons, um, but primarily it's because we're having our babies earlier. It's, it's just like why the same reason why we are dying when we're not pregnant, right? So we have higher rates of hypertension and high blood pressure and cancer and every other health disorder you can name, we're number one for pretty much all of it. It's the same thing when it comes to pregnancy. And that's the reason why our babies are dying because they're, they tend to be born early. All right. Now, my last question for you: What advice, or you got you got a list? Mm-hmm. Please provide us. What <laughs> advice or techniques would you like to give the black community, black woman and man that are expected to have a child and want to live to to raise it, or keep, 
And why, and here's the next question, why should black families consider a midwife and doulas in in this in this uh, time? Go ahead, Stephanie. Give me the first question again. What advice or techniques would you like to give to black women and black men that are expecting a child and want to live to see it, to, to raise it? You know, you know how we talking about black women are dying at a higher rate. So what advice you got for the black woman for her to to give birth and live to see to raise that child? Okay. Then the second question, second question that I will ask you after answer this one. Yeah. So my advice, um, I think we should one. I think we need to start doing a little bit more research and educating ourselves on our options um, and also start at preconception. Um, white women are on top of all of this. Um, I think that does us a huge disservice. Um, we tend to do things after the fact. So when I say preconception, it's before we have we actually get pregnant. So making sure our health is on in, on point prior to becoming pregnant. Um, so you know, changing our diets, making sure we're at low risk for just uh, just. Uh, diabetes in general, making sure we are doing exercising and our diets are, you know, again, it doesn't need to be vegan, vegetarian or whatever, but, you know, everything in moderation, you know, we should not be eating Popeyes every day. We should not be eating, you know, fast food, fr fried foods, et cetera, every day. Moderation is the, the key. Exercise, um, water, you know, drinking water, things like that, especially if you're thinking of getting pregnant. Um, taking, you know, um, looking into, um, uh, plant-based um, um, plant or, or herbal medications prior to. Some of those things actually um, can help you conceive and help you with getting, uh, with better health. Um, I won't go into it, but there's tons of information out there. All of that is our traditional way of doing things, getting back to the earth, you know, farming your own foods, all of that. All of those things will help before you have your baby. And then when you are pregnant, continuing that lifestyle. Um, you know, one of the things I think we we have forgotten is that we are creating this baby and whatever we put in and whatever we do is what we're going to actually get out. And so keeping that in mind, right? So keeping our stress levels low, keeping, um, you know, what we put in our mouth, being mindful of what we put into our mouths, um, because that is creating your child. Um, making sure that we have good support systems in place. You know, I know it's really hard and I'm dealing with that every day with my clients. Um, you know, getting getting back to the village is one of one of the things I say often to um, both my clients and a lot of times on my social media is like, you know, we need to get back to our village mindset. That is again an African way of things that how we used to do it. Um, that's really what a doula was. Um, you know, in our in our African traditional African way, women all came together and cared for that woman when she was pregnant. Um, you know. We, we cared for her, fed her, massaged her, whatever, just so we can um, make sure this baby came into the world healthy and, and was felt secure. Um, and so same thing with dads. I am huge with making sure dads feel included. Um, and so making sure that when you are, uh, are in fact pregnant, choosing the right provider, if you do not feel that you are getting the type of care that you deserve or that you desire, change. You do not need to stay with that provider. I don't care if you need to change change 
providers 10 times. Change to, to whoever you need to until you find the right provider. Um, and again, that goes back to doing your research. You know, do the research to know what your options are. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, I think we really have to understand that we are really in the fight for our lives. They, these systems are in place for us to fail. The United States is, I think, like number 50 or something, some crazy number um, on the uh, ranking of maternal care. And wow. we're like one to 50, or one to 60 or something, we're like 55. So, and amongst other numbers, we are at the bottom of the barrel. So keeping that in mind, even though we, we are, they are thinking that we have like the best technology and the best care, we actually do not. And if that is, keep, if that is at the forefront of our mind, we have to understand that we have to do, go beyond uh, what we know to find better care for ourselves in general. And so that's what's going to help us stay alive. Uh, that's what's going to help us have healthy pregnancies, to come into to our pregnancies healthy in the beginning and to try to stay healthy throughout. All right. And why should Black families, this last question, why should Black families consider them, you or Stephanie to get a midwife to deliver their babies? Um, for me as a midwife, uh, I would just midwives, period. But <laughs> but you're representing all the midwife, black midwives in the nation. Um, I won't represent because I there's some black midwives that I don't know if I oh, want to recommend oh, y'all. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I would say it goes back again to doing your research. Um, you know, there is someone for everyone. Um, and so you know, I may not be the perfect midwife for you, but there is someone for everyone. And so do your research, find out if home birth is for you. Home birth is not for everyone. I I want to be clear. Some people, this is not an option for you and not because you don't, you're not healthy or, you know, you want to do this and, you know, you think you want to do this. It may not be the right fit. Um, and so I want people to come into this with the mindset of that, but also just know that like home birth midwifery in general, because that's my scope. I won't talk to you know, other, other disciplines, but home birth in general is a different type of care. We are building relationships with our clients. Um, I'll, I'll speak on my practice in general, but, um, you know, my prenatal appointments are hour long and the majority of that time is me getting to know you, building relationships, building trust, um, so that by the time you have your baby, I'm not a stranger. Um, I know what your birth preferences are. I know, you know, if you have other children, your children know me, you know, I like make sure that they are part of your care. You know, they, they become like my little assistants. Um, and I, I want them to feel that. I want them to have a different perspective of birth in general. So we invite them to your birth. I want them to see what birth should look like. Um, and partners, I want them to, to be a part of the process as well. And family and, and everyone, who that you, whoever you want to be a part of the process. Um, also, I want you to, to know that you have the choice to make this choice. Uh, whether you have your baby at home or in the hospital, you have rights. 
So make sure that whatever provider that you choose, understand that you have rights. You have rights to speak up. You have rights to decline procedures. You have rights to um, to say no. You have rights to uh, refuse things. Um, but you need to know what those things are before you get there. So, um, you know, I would also suggest getting a doula if this is your first pregnancy or if this is your fifth pregnancy. If you feel like you don't have the, um, if you feel like you may not be able to have the voice to speak up. Um, doulas are awesome, they're excellent. Sometimes I have them at my breasts and I love them. Um, and I support them fully and they make my job easier a lot of times. Um, and so I think that, you know, having them there to support you and, and ask, answer those questions that you may have is, a, you know, just another part of the team that is a welcome part of the team. Um, so yeah. Do, do the research, find out what your options are, um, and make the right choice for you and your family, always. Stephanie Johnson, I'd like to thank you for coming on Rebuke and talking about this very important topic about Black pregnancies and the high deaths that Black women face in, in America. First of all, I want to give thanks for everyone for supporting my podcast. Um, you can also help the podcast by giving donations at cash app dollar sign rebuke r-e-b-u-k-e-e-06 that is dollar sign r-e-b-u-k-b-u-k-e-e-06 or by going to the anchor uh site and hidden donations and you can you can pick from 99 cents per month up to ten nine dollars and 99 cents per month it's up to you um uh, once again, Ms. Johnson, thank you. Very, very thoughtful, uh, very knowledgeable you. about your craft. I can tell you very knowledgeable and you dropped a whole lot of gems today. That's what I look for. I look for the gems, the gems. So I thank you. So uh, before I, uh, I leave, I'd like to leave with my slogan that is uh, knowledge is power. Uh, economic freedom is salvation. But if you put the two together, we can build a great nation. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Rebuke Podcast. This is Marcus, and we out.